The accounting firm of Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba presents the 26th College Football Hall of Fame season of Fighting Irish Preview. And now, the Guadalupe's Mexican Grill Food Made Fresh kickoff with your host, Phil Houck. Notre Dame Football 2022, who are you? Play defense and run the football. Last week, after 156 yards rushing and racking up six sacks on defense, it was a faint echo. By the third quarter of this past Saturday, though, against North Carolina, it was a big screen, surround sound, high-def extravaganza, crystal clear to anyone who watched. Notre Dame football 2022 has an identity. At the 408 mark of the third quarter, the Irish started a drive at their own 25. 12 plays later, 11 of them runs. The Irish found the end zone. In the process, they burned six minutes off the clock and broke the Tar Heels' will. The offensive line, from Joe Alt to Jarek Patterson, Zeke Corral, Josh Lugg, and Blake Fisher, imposed their will on a shell-shocked North Carolina defensive front. Hey, maybe that Harry Heastand guy knows what he's doing after all. On that back-breaking drive, Audric Estime pounded his way for 42 yards on five carries. Logan Diggs chipped in a carry for nine yards, and Chris Tyree had 11 yards on four carries, including the TD from one yard out. On the day, Estime ran for 134, Tyree 80, and Diggs another 50. Estime averaged 7.9 yards per carry. Overall, the Irish notched 5.6 yards per carry. It was this drive that seemingly broke whatever will the Tar Heel defense had left. Not a good group to begin with. Things devolved into finger-pointing and personal fouls as the Irish ate the Tar Heels' lunch. If a powerful running attack is the essence of the Fighting Irish 2022 identity, a complimentary passing game with a mantra of Dr. Do No Harm is also becoming part of the picture. For the second straight week, Drew Pine kept the passing game clean with no interceptions and a 70% completion percentage. And Indy's identity as a physical, grinded-out team on offense carries over nicely to the defense. The Irish defense is now performing nearly as well as billed in the preseason. Against Carolina, they notched three sacks, seven tackles for loss, and held a high-flying offense to 368 yards, 179 under their average, and to just 32 points, 19 fewer than their average. Perhaps even more impressive, North Carolina managed just 66 yards on the ground, far below their 237-yard-per-game average. Certainly, the Irish performance last Saturday was not perfect, particularly in light of the Tar Heels' poorest defense. At the same time, the prowess of NC's offense is undeniable. With teams the caliber of Clemson, USC, and BYU in two weeks lurking on the Irish schedule, more improvement will be necessary for the Irish to complete their turnaround from an 0-2 start. But an identity for the Irish 2022 is now in focus, and it's a formula for winning football games. So, who are you? We play defense, and we run the football. Guadalupe's Mexican Grill is located on Illinois Road. Look for new Fort Wayne locations soon. Now, stay tuned for Fighting Irish Insight from America's foremost authority on Notre Dame football, Tim Priester, senior editor of irishillustrated.com. 
After these words from Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba, sheer McCulloch auctioneers, and refreshing Coors Light. Made to chill. This is Fighting Irish Preview. The University of Notre Dame exemplifies dedication to hard work, integrity, and personal values, which result in success in the classroom and on the football field. The professionals at Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba, like Notre Dame, know the same dedication, and their experience and expertise provide peace of mind for you and your business. Tax planning, tax compliance, auditing, business valuation, and estate planning, the full-service accounting firm of Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba, like the Irish, has what it takes to help you achieve success. Located in Fort Wayne near Jefferson Point, Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba proudly supports Notre Dame football and congratulates all those who are a part of the greatest tradition in all of sports. Go Irish! That to-do list you have needs one more thing. Chill. It's an easy thing to do. Just crack open an ice-cold Coors Light and chill. Take the afternoon off and binge watch anything. Go to happy hour and stay for a couple hours. Who's counting anyways? Or hang out with just your dog because you've had enough human interaction this week. Whatever you do, do it with a Coors Light. Mountain cold refreshment made to chill. 2020 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. Now back to Fighting Irish Preview with your host, Phil Halk. Well, Tim Priester, I say the Irish have found an identity. Let's see if we agree on just what it is. Tell us what you say that identity is, and is it just about what you thought it would be going into the season? Yeah, I mean, I think we knew that the the passing game would not be the strength of this team. We felt like the defense would be, and it's starting to shape up like that. The last two scores for North Carolina notwithstanding, but uh, yeah, you know, I mean, in terms of offense, uh, running the football has to come first. And I think we see that when when the offensive line is productive, which it has been basically for the last two games, and you get something going, it allows a passing game with, you know, a limited number of quality receivers to work. They're doing a good job. I think Tommy Reese is doing a really good job of getting the football to the running backs in the passing game, which is, again, necessary because you don't have the – the whiteouts to do it. Of course, you force feed Michael Mayer and all these things, uh, you know, uh, contribute to a better passing game with Drew Pine uh, be, be, uh, taking the snaps. Um, it, it certainly helps playing a North Carolina defense that isn't very good and can't press you at the line of scrimmage. But, um, you know, yeah, I, I mean, it's it, it goes back, Phil, to what Marcus Freeman has said. It's an offensive line, defensive line based program. And I think we're seeing that now. Well, more on that uh, rather porous defense later. But the fact is that we do agree on what that identity is, and that is you know, play good defense and run the football. And that really is a formula that, that can win a lot of football games. Okay, let's throw out the first quarter against Cal. Other than that, the play at Drew Pine, uh, since he took over, has been very good. And the only number you need to know is he is undefeated as a starter. But there are some others – to consider no interceptions hitting 70 percent of his passes at that rate he would go down in history as the all-time season long of course that's projecting out a long ways uh but that he would uh surpass jack Cohn's record that he set last year at about 69 percent if he can maintain that 70 percent rate uh it seems his team just plays better when he's in the game better than when Tyler Buckner was in there for some reason is that possible how can that be does that have something to do with maybe the way they 
had to block for the RPO game a lot or something like that? What do you think? It could be something with that regarding the RPO game. But I, I've said that this week that I think that, you know, is it a coincidence that the offensive line is playing better and it coincides with Drew Pine moving into the starting lineup? Now, I've been shot down by a couple people for saying that, but I do think that there's some synergy and chemistry going on between a quarterback that I think exudes a lot more confidence than Tyler Buckner exudes. Uh, he's an older guy that the offensive line knows him better. I, I think that there's a, I think there's a tie in there. Now, whether he continues to complete 70% of his passes has a lot to do with, again, just how much, how many of Nordings remaining opponents will, will press Nordings receivers at the line of scrimmage. That's a big differentiator when, with regard to completion percentage. But I think, uh, you know, I'm not making any bold predictions about what Drew Pine is, how he's going to blossom here moving forward because they are going to face, you know, BYU's a better football team, a better program, a much better defense than North Carolina. So we'll see one step at a time. But I do think that he – here's another thing, Phil. I mean, he knows the playbook. He understands where the other 10 guys on the field need to be when the ball is snapped. Uh, I think he's bringing some confidence to the entire operation. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Well, you use the word confidence, and there's no doubt that Drew Pine, once he got past that first quarter, shows a lot of confidence. That's why that first quarter, uh, the first five series of the of the game against Cal was just so inexplicable. He played so poorly, but once he got it together, he's doing just fine. It's worse things than being a good game manager, folks. Uh, and that's partially because the running game and that running game really rolled last week. Audric estimate 134 yards. Chris Tyree 80. Logan Diggs chipped in 50. All of them were over 100 yards when their receiving yards are added. Tim Audric estimate to me, he just seems like he's kind of the classic north-south runner. How good can he be, and who does he remind you of? And has he has his running style spawned any nicknames? <laughs> yeah, one of our one of our Irish Illustrated subscribers suggested Baby Bus, which I think fits pretty well. I, I don't know that he's going to have the the career, the long range career that Jerome Bettis did, but he is that kind of back. There's no doubt. I mean, he's cut from the same mold, and we saw on Saturday he had so much room to run. But once he got past that initial that initial surge, I mean, in the open field, that's a big dude that can move pretty well. So. I do love the fact that he's he's a north-south runner. There have been a couple of occasions early this season where he has shown a little bit of a skip step where he can get outside, but running between the tackles is his calling card, and he's been really good. I, I love the way he approaches the game. Uh, the personality of the kid is is pretty, uh, pretty lighthearted, doesn't take himself too seriously, and is there to serve his teammates. So he's doing a heck of a job. Any, any other running backs? I mean, we mentioned Jerome Bettis uh, because of the baby bus thing, but any other running backs? There's one in particular from the 80s that he reminds me of. Anybody come to mind? Oh, uh, Anthony Johnson. Uh, I don't put him in the same category. I wouldn't think make that comparison, me personally, because Johnson wasn't that big. So I don't see a similarity there in terms of, of running styles, but I loved Anthony Johnson. Talk about a down-to-earth uh, team-first guy. That's who Anthony Johnson was out of South Bend Adams. 
uh, love, you know, short yardage. You can maybe from that perspective, I would make the comparison because you could really count on Anthony Johnson to pick up that third and one, third and two. Of course, he was running behind a very good offensive line back in those days uh, as well. Yeah, Tim, this may surprise you. Anthony Johnson listed as six foot two twenty five. Audric Estime five eleven and a half two twenty seven. But boy, Estime plays a lot bigger. He's just got such uh, a muscular. Uh, build that he just looks bigger well key to the development of that running game of course the offensive line Jarrett Patterson and Joe Alt have been formidable on the left side really fun to watch I might add uh, especially against North Carolina last week what did you see from that offensive line last Saturday uh, and how much have they gelled how good are they well the two that you mentioned Patterson and Alt I think have been very good I think Patterson has been good in all three games that he played uh, even as he was coming off the injury against Ohio State, the guy felt that I can't. I, it's really, it's almost inexplicable the the change in center Zeke Correll, the way he has played the last two games. And to me, it looks like having watched offensive lines for a long, long time. It's some of the uncertainty in his mind has been eliminated. I think he's being proactive instead of reactive. Uh, I think Josh Lug as well. I think Josh Lug played his best game. Uh, by far, you could probably say that about Blake Fisher, too. I don't think that Blake Fisher's necessarily um, really even come close to reaching his peak yet, and he will. But it's a, it, I mean, it's a chance. That it's an offensive line that has a chance to be pretty darn good. I, again, I don't want to make predictions based upon uh, two games where the numbers weren't extreme against Cal, although they were productive. And then North Carolina is just a sieve up front. But you have to like the way they're playing collectively. They are finally seeing the game through one lens, uh, and, I, and, I, and I really think that they have a chance to, to build upon. His confidence is absolutely everything with an offensive line, and I think that they are being proactive as opposed to reactive. Yeah, and getting two wins under your belt, I think that really builds that confidence, and that's going to help that offensive line. Uh, let's go over to the other side of the ball, Tim. A breakout game, I thought, by defensive end Riley Mills somebody who I thought coming into the season was going to have a big year, and he, he may yet do that. Five tackles, two and a half tackles for a loss, two sacks. That's more production than he had totaled through the first three games. How important is Mills to that Irish front and to that defense overall? Well, really significant because he, uh, generally speaking, is the opposite side of the the Fosky Justin Adam Alola combo on the right side at Viper end. Now they will move Justin Adam Alola to the other end and pair him up with Fosky. But you need Mills. Mills is a very very unique football player. He's a combination five technique defensive end that can bump into three technique and play tackle. In fact, against North Carolina, he played quite a bit of tackle. Just a just a unique body type and skill set because he looks like a defensive tackle. And I, and I would say the defensive tackle is probably his best position, but they need him at, at, at left defensive end, and he got a bunch of push uh, against a decent North Carolina offensive line, and that's something that Notre Dame needs to continue with Riley Mills. Yeah, well, that flexibility that he brings, being able to play inside or outside, just makes him a great uh, complement to that defensive line. Let's talk about linebackers. Bo Bauer, Jack Kaiser, J.D. Bertrand, uh, Prince Colleague uh, got uh, some snaps. Uh, Maris Leofau. It's a pretty deep group, but other than Bertrand's two targeting penalties, you know, you really haven't heard 
much about them. Has this been a disappointing group so far? I wouldn't say disappointing. I don't know that they've excelled uh, per se. I mean, I, I think that the way that we put it, the way that I put it for Irish Illustrated was that uh, I, I think it's a group that makes the plays that they should, but don't necessarily expand beyond that. Uh, but Leofile, I, I do want to talk about Leofile the other day. And, and I really think, you know, with Bertrand out for the first half because of the targeting penalty from the previous game, and now he'll have another one to deal with. They moved Kaiser to the to the inside linebacker position and kind of used Leofile more on the outside, more pass rusher. He certainly spied Drake May and did a very effective job. I think Leofile is better when he's just attacking the line of scrimmage as opposed to reading and reacting. I don't know that that necessarily plays to his strength. So I think that's somebody that they should continue to look at outside in the role that they've created for for him. Kaiser was good. Uh, Bertrand created the, the only turnover of the season on his first snap to start the, the third quarter. So I think they, you know, I wouldn't say they played poorly by any means, uh, but I, I do think that there's another level for this linebacker core. And Prince Colley looked, I thought Prince Colley looked natural and aggressive, which a lot of times a young player put in that situation is, is uh, not going to be quite as aggressive as he was. Well, you know, sometimes it's good not to hear a lot about a group. That means they're doing their job. And I think, if nothing else, this has been a very workmanlike group. And some more highlights, or some highlights, no doubt, are to come. And Maris Leofau uh, may be uh, the guy that does that. He's just a tremendous athlete. Uh, safety play always important against both the pass and the run. Highly touted transfer, Brandon Joseph. How has he performed so far? A little bit under the radar, you know, his calling card was interceptions coming from Northwestern, and he hasn't done that yet. I think he's done a nice, he's done a really nice job as a punt returner, doesn't have a lot of burst, but has some wiggle and good vision. But, um, you know, I mean, I think that, again, I think there's a higher level for him. Uh, He's not Kyle Hamilton. I I don't know if a lot of people thought that, oh, they got an All-American from Northwestern. They're getting another Kyle Hamilton. He doesn't have that kind of length or that kind of range, but he, you know, he's solid. I, I don't think that he's necessarily made a whole bunch of plays that jump out. Uh, another thing he did, he, reco- he recovered the uh, the onside kick at the end of the game. Little things like that. I think that he's a I, – I think that he helps you in a lot of ways uh, and just hasn't been a big playmaker up to this point yet. Also handling the punt return duties, kind of a nice plug and play. And, yeah, comparisons to Kyle Hamilton, kind of silly if you ask me. Nobody compares to him. Just look what Kyle Hamilton is doing in the NFL right now. He is playing tremendous football. Uh, Tim, despite all the good news on the field for the Irish Saturday, the Tar Heels managed some really big pass plays that uh, that kept this game out of the route category. An 80-yarder, a 64-yarder, uh, TDs, uh, both came in the second half. Yet, I like the ND quarters, and I feel like they're really developing some depth at that position. Give us a rundown at the cornerback position. Well, you have the two freshmen that are really stepping up, Benjamin Morrison and Jaden Mickey, and they've been they've been beaten a couple times, but I, I love Benjamin Morrison. And I think, you know, Cam Hart, I'm not sure that, I, you know, he may have been the one that made the wrong decision on the 64-yard touchdown. Clarence Lewis has been very good this year. But he got caught in a speed matchup with Antoine Green. That was Antoine Green's first game uh, of the season. Mac Brown called him an N- a future NFL player, and it looked like it. And he just burst past Clarence Lewis. So I, I'm not 
no excuses for those guys. You hate to end the game with two long pass plays. But I think, by interestingly enough, and when you look at some of the long touchdown drives that Notre Dame has given up, and then some of those plays against North Carolina, you think, you know, is is the back end of the defense really playing well? And when you add it all up, I think, by and large, they've done a pretty good job of keeping the football in front of them. Yeah, and Drake May is going to make a lot of cornerbacks look bad in the next few years. Tim, uh, one quick hit to wrap it up. How bad was that defense, and what would you suggest to try and fix it? Honestly, I have not seen many worse defenses, uh, Power 5 defenses on the field than North Carolina's last week. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Gene Chizik's in a really tough situation. As, I, as I've said, he's still trying to beat the stupid out of his defensive players from the previous defensive coordinator, Jay Bateman, and it's a different style. That's not going to come easily. It's probably not going to happen in 2022. They're going to have to outscore opponents to win games. Yeah, he's going to have to get some different personnel in there. There's going to have to be a change of culture. It seems like Mac Brown just allowed those bad habits to go on too long, and we talked about him on this show over the last few years. North Carolina's weaknesses on defense, and and now Gene Chizik has a huge mess on his hands. Thanks, Tim. Coming up, it's the all-time Irish hero, key to an Irish victory, injury report, and the world-famous Irish illustrated prediction. And during the break, it's the Fighting Irish Fact of the Week, brought to you by Ron Wise and the Wise Insurance Agency. This is the 372nd edition of Fighting Irish Preview. This is Art Salzberg. I don't speak for a lot of companies, but Sharon McCulloch is a firm that provides a great and much-needed service. As Sharon and I get older, we've been thinking of moving, but frankly, the thought is somewhat overwhelming. That's where Sharon McCulloch comes in with a full-service plan that takes the pressure off. Listen to this. Sharon McCulloch will sell your house, auction the items you don't want to take, then pack everything else and move you. In sports terms, that's a blowout win. Sheer McCulloch uses an international auction platform to make sure your possessions are seen by the right buyers. They'll get top dollar for your special treasures. Sheer McCulloch is highly recommended by leading retirement communities and law firms, plus their AAA with the Better Business Bureau. Call them at 441-8636. That's 441-8636. They'll make your moving experience easy and profitable. Sheer McCulloch. The Fighting Irish Factor of the Week is brought to you by our friends at the Wise Insurance Agency. While records come and go, George Gipp, who last played for the Irish over 100 years ago, still holds several ND all-time records. Among them, average yards per rush for a season at 8.1 yards per carry. Call Ron Wise at the Wise Insurance Agency or go to thewiseinsuranceagency.com and get an auto or home quote in less than five minutes. That to-do list you have needs one more thing. Chill. Take the afternoon off and binge watch anything. Go to happy hour and stay for a couple hours. Whatever you do, do it with a Coors Light. Mountain cold refreshment. Made to chill. 2020 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. Now back to Fighting Irish Preview with your host, Phil Halk. This is Fighting Irish Preview. The Irish are idle this week. Their next game will be the Shamrock Series Clash in Vegas in two weeks against BYU. Kickoff will be at 7.30 p.m. South Bend time. TV coverage on NBC. And it's now time for the all-time Irish hero, brought to you by the Marina at Lake Gage. Chriscraft, Mastercraft, and Premier Pontoons. New and previously owned, we share your boating passion. 
And this year we are focusing on the Fighting Irish quarterbacks since 1988. So far, Tony Rice, Rick Meyer, Kevin McDougal, Ron Paulus, and this week, Jarius Jackson. A strong and accurate arm and excellent running skills made Jarius Jackson an exciting-to-watch, dual-threat, record-setting star for the Irish in the late 90s. A native of Tupelo, Mississippi, Jackson was one of the most sought-after quarterback prospects in the nation when he committed to Lou Holtz and Notre Dame in 1996. He played sparingly for his first two seasons in South Bend as Ron Paulus rewrote the Notre Dame record books. But in 1998, now playing for Bob Davey, he got his chance as a starter and took full advantage. For that season, he threw for 1,740 yards and 13 TDs and rushed for 441 more yards and 4 TDs as the Irish were winning big on the field. They were 8-1 that year when they took on LSU in mid-November in South Bend. Jackson was brilliant on the day, throwing for 276 yards, two touchdowns, and running for another 80 yards as he brought the Irish from behind for a 39-36 victory. Unfortunately, he sprained his knee when taking an intentional safety to end the game and had to miss the season finale at USC, which resulted in a 10-0 loss for the Irish. In 1999, Jackson was afforded the rare honor of being named as the sole team captain, and Jackson responded with a record-setting senior season. His 2,753-yard passing total broke Joe Theismann's single-season record, and with his 464 rushing yards, his total offense number of 3,217 yards also broke one of Theismann's records. Jackson was drafted in the seventh round by the Denver Broncos and spent four years as a backup and one year in the World League. In 2005, he moved to the Canadian League. There he put together an eight-year career that included three Grey Cup champions. Tim, we don't often talk about Jerry's Jackson, I think, when we talk about the great quarterbacks, but for two years, he was pretty good. I I totally agree. I I was going to say, Phil, that I think that he's been one of the more underrated quarterbacks of the last couple of decades. I I got to know Jerry probably a little bit better after he left Norton than when he was there. And he, you know, he did an excellent job. Part of it was the Bob Davey era and the up and down nature. Uh, good one season, bad the next. But I thought Jerry Jackson was a real co- quality college quarterback. As you said, he set the record at the time. Those numbers are kind of minimized today with the with the easy three thousand yards that, that quarterbacks can throw for these days. But he was a very good quarterback, and he went to the Canadian League and did an excellent job there. And he's now in the coaching ranks. But I thought Jerry Jackson was one of the more underrated quarterbacks at Notre Dame. Yeah, you mentioned the coaching ranks. Upon retirement, uh, he did, in fact, go into coaching and is currently the quarterback's coach and passing game coordinator in the CFL for the Edmonton Elks. Jarius Jackson, another Marina at Lake Gage all-time Irish hero. The Marina at Lake Gage, we love boats. And it's now time for the Aspen Mortgage early line on BYU. 19th-ranked BYU is 3-1. Last week, they defeated Wyoming 38-24. They owned a victory over Baylor, but lost 41-20 to Oregon two weeks ago. They will match up with Utah State this weekend. Their quarterback is Jaron Hall in his fifth season in Provo, and he is a 71% passer and has thrown nine TD passes. 21-4 over the last two seasons and 10-3 a year ago. 
and they returned 18 out of 22 starters. Tim, BYU just wins a lot of football games. What is the Aspen Mortgage early line on BYU? They're a very good football team. Uh, the best football team, obviously, Nordings played since Ohio State. Jaron Hall, I know we kind of raved about Drake May going in last week. The difference is that Jaron Hall is an experienced quarterback, as you said. Uh, you know, they're, they're, uh, was it 21 and four the last two years and off to a three and one start. But I think Jaron Hall's the key. I think he's a Russell Wilson type quarterback, which uh, I didn't coin that, but others have. And I agree with that. They found a little bit of magic at running back and redshirt freshman Davis Miles. He had a big game against Wyoming, a deep receiving core that's been a little bit banged up, but they've been very productive and a veteran big offensive line. So it's a real challenge for Notre Dame's defense. I think Notre Dame has a good chance to run the football against them. I don't see a lot of speed coming off the edge, and, and uh, but they're a big physical team, and they play more defensive linemen than any college team I think I've seen. They really rotate guys in and out. Um, they've had injuries partly uh, due to that. But uh, good linebacker core. Uh, I, I had their linebacker core rated number four among Notre Dame opponents this year, and they have a couple corners that are pretty good too. This is a good football team. Notre Dame's going to have to go to Vegas. I'm glad they're playing in Vegas because the home field advantage has been big for BYU, so that's it, uh, a bit of an advantage for Notre Dame playing in Vegas. Uh, but this is a good football team. Notre Dame better come ready to play. Okay, some things to start to think about, and that is Tim Priester's Aspen Mortgage early line on BYU. Aspen Mortgage, for all your mortgage needs, call 486-LOAN. And it's now time for the Injury Report, brought to you by Indiana Physical Therapy, your choice for physical therapy, now at 22 Indiana locations. Tim, how are the Irish health-wise in the bye week? Well, we'll see if they get uh, if they get Mitchell Evans back at tight end. Kane Barron's another one that's still bouncing back from, from uh, an ACL injury earlier in the year. Um we we know that Kevin Ballman is is going to be out out for the year now, so uh, you know they're a little banged up there at, at, at tight end. But uh, I you know I think that they came out of this pretty well. They they won't have J D Bertrand for the first half of BYU. Um, we we know about Blake Fisher. Marcus Freeman said her name's right tackle was poked in the eye. Could be a little bit more serious than that, but I expect him to be ready for BYU on October 8th. Okay, overall, we'll cross our fingers and knock on some wood there because the injury report has been pretty good. Thanks, Tim. That is the Indiana Physical Therapy Injury Report, and it's now time for the world-famous Irish Illustrated Prediction, brought to you by SES Environmental. Need help navigating environmental risk and with regulatory compliance? You need SES. Look them up at sesadvantage.com. Tim, for this week's prediction, I'll run down the remaining ND schedule, and you predict a win for the Irish or a loss, and I know you love doing this, especially five, six weeks out. Here goes BYU and Vegas. I think this is a tough game. Notre Dame has been installed as an early six-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, I like that number. I like to see that number because that tells me that there is a differentiation between Notre Dame and BYU. I think a hard-fought victory, BYU will play them tough for four quarters. Notre Dame will win that football game. Stanford at home on October 15th. Stanford has some things going for them, including uh, McKee, their quarterback, who's going to play in the NFL. Really good receiving course. So, again, it'll be a challenge for Notre Dame. But I think when you add everything up, 
uh, th- th- that's a Notre Dame victory. Okay, and then the next week at home against UNLV. You know, a couple of weeks ago, Phil, I would have said UNLV is awful and has no chance, and I still don't think they have a chance against Notre Dame. But they've they've gotten off to a really good start and have scored a bunch of points. Notre Dame wins that game probably pretty easily, but UNLV may be progressing a little bit. Okay, then the Irish are back on the road after the UNLV game at Syracuse. This game, I think, is uh, is sneaky scary for Notre Dame. They're, they've done some really good things offensively. Uh, Schaefer, their quarterback, they have a record-setting running back in Tucker. And, and you know, their, their linebacker core is among the best on Notre Dame's schedule, and it is at Syracuse. They got a little something going this year. I think that's a, that could be an upset alert kind of game for Notre Dame, especially since it's in the Carrier Dome. I, I'll take Notre Dame, but I think that's a really hard-fought victory for Notre Dame. Okay, Dino Babers has something going in Syracuse, but that's another win. Then that would get the Irish to 6-2, and two, coming back home, and this should be a big one against Clemson. Yeah, Clemson still has weaknesses. I mean, I, they haven't solved everything, all their problems on the offensive line. Uh, Uyanga Lele will, ha, had a, a really good game against Wake Forest and led them to victory. I love Clemson's defensive line. I picked Clemson preseason. If you're going to make me uh, make predictions this far in advance, I will um, – I will stick with my original prediction and say Clemson. Okay, the Irish fall to 6-3 and three with a loss to Clemson. And then the next week, Navy in Baltimore. Navy's bad, Phil. They're not going to beat Notre Dame this time around. Yeah, Navy is bad this year. That's what I've seen as well. 7-3. and three. Back home, Boston College. Always a, always a battle. Well, I don't think Boston College is bad. I, Jeff Halfley, their, their young coach, I think is a good coach. I think Phil Jerkovic has a chance – to make a roster to be to to play in the NFL, um, love some of the th- love Boston College's secondary, one of the best on Notre Dame's schedule. But they have absolutely nothing going on their offensive line, and you're not going to beat Notre Dame without quality offensive line play. Notre Dame over BC. Yeah, no protection for Phil Jerkovic. The Irish would then go to eight and three, going into the Coliseum. Thanksgiving weekend at USC to f- close out the regular season. Yeah, you know, I mean, you pr- predict eight games in advance. So, we like, we have to project, does, does Drew Pine stay healthy through the rest of the season? If he doesn't, that means you have a true freshman on the field and Steve Angeli. But my point is that there's a lot of water under the bridge between, between now and then. And USC has added so much talent transfer-wise. Um, and that was one of my uh, original picks was USC over Notre Dame. I'll, I'll stick with that for now. Okay, the Irish then would finish at 8-4. and four. That's the uh, way too early to do it prediction for the rest of the season by Tim Priester, but good analysis of every team. And until next week when we'll be Vegas bound, thanks, Tim. Thanks, Phil. Go Irish, and thanks for listening to Fighting Irish Preview. Special thanks to Jim Shovelin, Brett Rump, Art Salzberg, and studio producer Adam Schenkel. For more Fighting Irish Preview, check out FightingIrishPreview.com and also listen to and subscribe to our podcast, available on all podcast platforms. Fighting Irish Preview is the copyrighted property of Judge Phil Productions. Podcasts by Federated Media.